0: This morning, first of all, number one, I'd like you to remind you to use, use the gift that you have received. Sometimes for kids, there's a lot of excitement for Christmas, and let's admit it, it's because of the presents, it's because of the gifts that they're going to receive, and they're anticipating that day, and they're looking for, looking forward to it. and I understand that. But then isn't there sometimes, you remember this, I remember for me as a kid, there was a letdown the day after Christmas. And the feeling was, it'll be a whole year before I, I get those Christmas presents again. And I want you to think about this, that's, that really doesn't make sense because it's not like the day after Christmas, you have to give the presents back, right? You get to keep that which you received, and now you get to use it, now you get to enjoy it isn't it? Isn't that the truth? Um, That is the case, certainly, with us celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We celebrate um, that on this day, but we celebrate it every day that he came for us, this gift that's indescribable. Yet there should be no letdown, should there? Because he is ours. We get to keep him, right? If you're a parent, you remember what that's like when your child is born. I get to keep him? I get to keep her? You're waiting for the day, the day, the day to come, and then you realize, okay, now my life is drastically different. I get to keep that which was gifted to me. Now the baby Jesus, the Lord who came to lay down his life, you and I as Christians, as believers, we, we get to keep that, that presence, that salvation, that sanctification, that relationship with God that we have. It's not as though he disappears the day after Christmas. Yes, celebratory today because the father gave his only son. But now, don't we get to use that wonderful fellowship that we have with God every single day? Our incredible salvation, unfathomable salvation. I can understand as we're going to read in Luke chapter 2, the reason why the shepherds were so excited to come and to see the Christ child. They were like big kids getting their gifts, weren't they? to see Jesus, the Christ child. But now we have the gift of Christ and he is with us forevermore. Emmanuel, God with us, to to dwell with us, for us to walk with him and to know him day by day. The song in Christ Alone, which we sang last week, has a line in it that so often grabs me. And it says, for I am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Christ. Jesus belongs to me. And I belong to him. That is wonder. That is amazement. That he came as a baby and now he belongs to me. He's my savior. He's my Lord and he's my king. That's what we're celebrating today. That we get to keep the gift. There's no letdown. There's no childish immaturity there. Oh, it's over, right? No, it's, it's just begun. You're celebrating, I hope, what you had yesterday. I think about... Thomas's words, when he saw the resurrected Christ, he said, my Lord and my God, that possessive, like you are mine. There you are. I thought I had lost you. I thought I'd never see you again. I thought you were completely out of my life. And Thomas exclaims, doubting Thomas even, and maybe you're in that place of doubt today. And you need to say those words from your heart, my Lord and my God, for he's mine. He belongs to us. He's the gift that we have received. So enjoy that gift. Use that gift, the gift of Christ. He came to be with us, our keeper and our friend, our savior, to save us from our sins. I needed that saving. Will you admit this morning that you needed that saving? That maybe it's not as though we don't sin anymore. I'm not saying that, but Lord, you came and washed me I couldn't be washed. I couldn't be cleansed. I couldn't be forgiven without you. Use the gift you have received. Let's read of the gift in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Number two, wonder in Jesus, wrapped in human flesh. This may be a debate in your mind or in your family. Does the wrapping matter? I'm of the persuasion that usually the wrapping doesn't matter. Not everybody in my family has the same persuasion. A couple weeks ago, the boys and I brought Mercy and Michelle to Hobby Lobby to buy one thing. (laughs) One. And they did not buy one thing. We went there for one thing. Ironically, we didn't buy the one thing we went for, and we bought many other things. But when I asked my wife and my daughter, about the deals that they got, the first thing they mentioned was the wrapping paper. What a great deal it was. And not only was it a great deal, but it was, it's beautiful and elegant. It looks so nice. And I'm thinking to myself, it's wrapping paper. It doesn't matter. The gift, the greatest gift of all time, Jesus given to me and to you by the Father, his son. The wrapping, in this case, certainly mattered. He was wrapped in human flesh. Consider this, God Almighty taking the form of a man, being made in the likeness and appearance of a man. And Jesus was not just showing up in his prime, like some of you still are, like some of us used to be. He didn't just show up, whatever your prime age. He was born as an infant, wrapped in human flesh, very frail, very vulnerable. Look at what the word of God says. He needed his mom, to wrap him up, to to swaddle him. Jesus, the infant, wrapped in human flesh. That's what we see here, the history of the coming of the Lord for us, that he chose to be weak and needy, that he chose to come as a baby. That is the wonder of the gift of Jesus, wrapped in humanity god almighty come and later on he would display his power in his earthly ministry but the wonder of the gift at this point points to the truth that god would come and make himself a baby that is stunning to me that god almighty would be a baby you know what it's like when you're holding an infant you're you're thinking to yourself at least i am be careful this baby isn't tough isn't droppable right isn't expendable Look look at how little God Almighty born for us. Wonder in that. It truly is amazing. Number three, remember the ambiance of Christmas. What is the ambiance of Christmas? Look at the surroundings in Luke chapter two. Look at the situation, the circumstances. Now, maybe you would think, well, Jesus is a baby, but he was obviously born wealthy royalty, not at all. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Look at what the history says. There was no room for him in the end. There was no room for him in a house. They couldn't find a place. Nobody was willing to open their home to Jesus. So not only was he frail, but this, these were the surroundings. This was the ambiance, so to speak, of Christmas. This long trek that Mary and Joseph took him leading that donkey, her riding on the donkey, very pregnant, about to give birth. And then they come to Bethlehem, this extremely crowded city. Let me make this clear. This was not the hustle and bustle of Christmas. These people were angry. They hated Roman control. And now here are the Romans demanding that all of them return to the city of their birth. So the town was Packed, the people, the people were disgruntled. They did not want to be there. And on top of it, it was Christmas. No, it wasn't Christmas yet, right? You think, like, <laughs> Caesar made us come here on Christmas to be counted? No. But they, the Jewish people despised the Roman government. And to have the Romans come and say, We're going to count you now so that we can tax you, so that we can keep account of your every move. Bethlehem was not this sweet little place where people were happy to get together like the Victorian Christmas up the mountain. No, it was so crowded and packed, and people were angry and bothered that they had come there for that reason. And we see that Jesus arrives, or that Mary arrives, bearing the Christ child, bearing Jesus, and there's no room for him. That is the ambiance of Christmas. Grouchy crowd, weary, haggled, haggard, haggled, whatever, you know, Sleeping where? In shelters meant for animals. Jesus born in a barn. I listen to preachers, and I do laugh about their argument. It was a cave. No it had a, a roof. That was... The point is that animals slept there. The point is, is that it was a place that we would not seek out for one who is going to give birth. We try to pick the cleanest, safest Most sanitary place possible. How? What was the real ambiance of Christmas? It was an animal shelter, in a crowded town full of disgruntled people, so crowded that the Christ Child was pushed out to where the animals bedded down, stinky and dirty. Now today, there's much emphasis placed on the ambiance of Christmas, the lights the the warmth the good food all the right smells and you'll hear it said sometimes if we don't have all that stuff it just doesn't feel christmassy have we really gotten that shallow i mean i like the lights i don't like to be dirty i don't like to sit around sheep poop but have we forgotten that that's not what makes christmas christmassy You want to make it Christmassy, the true ambiance. Sleep in the cave or in the stable with the animals, but don't just sleep there. Pack it in with people all around you so it's, it's noisy. Down here, the band down here sings a song. It's called, If Nobody Said Merry Christmas, and the lyrics are, red and green decor, carolers at the door. And that family feeling is strong. Would it be less Christmassy if it were all gone? Even if nobody said Merry Christmas, if the choirs and the belfries made no sound, there would be peace on earth and forgiveness. Isn't that true? That without all the trappings, without all of what we consider to be the ambiance of Christmas, the truth that He has come for us still remains. You see, today's ambiance doesn't create the reality of Christ, it's the reverse. The reality of Christ it's what is what causes us to celebrate, isn't it? And we can get into that feeling and not realize that the real circumstance, the real situation of the first Christmas, the day Jesus was born, was quite different than what we experience today. I look at verse 14, where it says, Glory to God in the highest. Worship overflowing, do you see it? And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Here's the announcement. If we're to remember the ambiance of Christmas, our third point, our fourth point is live in the peace of Jesus. Do you see where it says in verse 14? And on earth, peace. That means peace between God and people. That means a healing of the separation that has been caused because of sin. That means amending of the relationship that has been torn apart, that has been estranged because of evil. So when those angels announce peace, those shepherds are ready for peace, but this is peace on earth. It's from God. It's the Lord now through his son is giving his best so that we are mended to him. I speak now to you. If you are a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've chosen to put your faith in Jesus, you have True peace because of Jesus. Now, you and I don't always live in that perfect peace. We have access to a peace that passes understanding. Let's admit that at times we're anxious. It's wrong to be that way. Let's admit that sometimes we're worried and sometimes we're angry. We don't have peace, even though it's there for us to take, because we're in Christ and we believed upon Him as our Lord. But even when we wander into that emptiness and that numbness and that anxiousness, the greatest war that was ever waged was won by Jesus on our behalf. And we stand before God in him and we have peace with God because of Jesus. Peace is the product of us being the children of God by faith. So I remind you as a believer, as a Christian, that you and I have this opportunity to live in peace even though the world around us is in such turmoil. It's pretty difficult to escape the turmoil that surrounds us, isn't it? It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's the backbiting, it's the hatred. And it's, is it getting any more peaceful circumstantially in our world, Are the efforts of mere men working us towards peace? And if, whether you talk about peace in your hearts or peace between men, no, the efforts of people are not putting us in a more peaceful place. I want peace, and that starts with you and I having peace, inner peace, true peace, because we've given our lives to Jesus. He's our king. He is our Lord, and even though this world just wages war on every level, though it feasts on bitterness and hatred, you and I as believers have peace because of Jesus. What did we learn in Ephesians chapter 3? That he himself is our peace. Speaking of Jesus, it's not based on a circumstance. It's not based on whether the political parties can agree on a piece of legislation. It's not based on a conflict or a war, a horrible war coming to an end. It's based on Jesus himself saying, I am mending you to me through my life given for you. That is real peace. Consider that you have access to that peace, Christian. Now I speak to those who have not believed. If you have not put your faith in Jesus, you can't have true peace. And you could be surrounded by all of, of the trimmings of commercial Christmas. You could be surrounded by people that love you and even try to put together the best possible scenario that you can. But in the middle of even those kind of festivities, if you are without faith in Jesus, then there's a turmoil, and that turmoil cannot be tamed because Jesus is peace. Turn to Christ, put your faith in him, and he will make you, listen to this, just as if you never sinned. He'll forgive you. This is what it says in Romans chapter 5. I read to you from the New American Standard. It puts it this way. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. If you've had your sins washed away, now you have peace. But if you haven't had your sins washed away through the love of Jesus, then there's going to be that turmoil. Know the peace that passes all understanding today. And it doesn't happen through Christmas, it happens through Christ. He gave his life so that you could be forgiven. And now if you'll trade in your sin for his grace, he'll save your soul. He'll mend the relationship that's been torn and he'll give you the promise of everlasting life. So that is the peace. Live in the peace of Jesus. That's number four. Live in it. Wake up every day and say, Lord, I live in a world of turmoil and and war and hatred. I know that, but I choose to live in you. You are my peace. In Luke 2, 15, it says this. We'll read all the way through 20. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, Look at in 17. Look at what the shepherds did. They made widely known what was told to them. They made widely known the news about Jesus. This is incredible news. Earlier, the angels call it glad tidings. They say, this is great news. Your Savior has been born. There it is. Don't be silent. At this point, the shepherds never received an instruction, go out and tell everybody. Now, Jesus tells you and I that we're to go and to make disciples of all men. But here with the shepherds, they receive the good news. And what do you do with good news? What's the logical thing that you do when you have incredible news to, for yourself? You deliver it to others. So it says there in 17, they made the news of Jesus known widely. How could they not make it known to as many as possible? How could they not make it known to their loved ones, to their neighbors, So here they are, praising, do you see that? Verse 20, and proclaiming, making widely known the coming of Jesus. This is why Christians can't be silent. This is why we can't just keep Jesus to ourselves. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And we know that he is the way, that he is the truth, And the life that there's no heaven without Jesus, that there's condemnation without him, that there's eternal death instead of eternal life. We know that, and we are the bearers of this good news that Jesus is the door, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. That's what the word of God says. And sometimes people just hear Savior and they're happy oh, save me from my life, my circumstances but he came to save you and me from our sins because our sins condemn us. Without Jesus, all of us are lost, wandering, and without hope. But in Jesus, we are saved. We're delivered. Our eyes have been opened just the way the skies were opened to those shepherds as they heard the announcement of Jesus' birth. And we want everyone to know the one true God, the way that we do. So we must speak up. We must be joyful. If you are that person who's wondering, why can't my neighbor or my friend just let it die? Why does my loved one, why does my family member, why do they have to keep talking about Jesus? Why why do they insist upon saying that we need him desperately for forgiveness. If if you're that person who's wondering, why is it like that? Can't they just give it a rest? You see, Christians know the way of salvation and they can't bear to hide that way, that only way from you. A Christian shares, a Christian is insistent, a Christian proclaims because they love your soul. Yes, they love you as a person, but they care about where you're going to spend forever. What will it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? And yes, that's talking about material things, but it's also talking about accomplishments and dreams. What good will it do any of us? What profit will it be to us if we gain everything we have ever dreamed of but we lose our soul it won't profit us anything that's the answer to the question and Jesus is the one that posed that not just me and so you and I as the children of God we can't stay silent now we must proclaim in love and in grace But I want you to realize that to not tell somebody is to not love them. They'll say, well, I love them, so I don't. Actually, it's opposite of that. You're not loving somebody when you don't tell them the truth about Jesus and how he came to save. They might prefer for you to not bring it up. And I admit that's according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He guides you when to speak, when to not speak, what to say, But isn't it not just our duty, but I want you to look at the shepherds again. Did they share this message? Did they make it widely known because it was their duty? Not first and foremost. They shared the message because they were joyful and they were praising God. And because they had received the news of the coming of Jesus, that the Savior had arrived, they spread it. It was that natural yet supernatural response. God has come in human form to give all that he is for us, to redeem us back to himself. And now I must share that message. May I share it with love, but may I share it with joy also. The greeting, Merry Christmas. I've gotten more deliberate about saying Merry Christmas to people here and there and everywhere, out in public. And I've noticed more and more that many are afraid to return the greeting. That's where our country has, has gone to, isn't it? That you can say, Merry Christmas to somebody at McDonald's and they're scared to say Merry Christmas back because they don't want to end up in, you know, on the news, McDonald's endorsing Christianity and then get their job taken. I mean, that's the way our, our country operates now. And I watch people and you see it too, to even say Merry Christmas, if there's Christ in there and that's just given him too much acknowledgement. That's just giving him too much recognition or credit. That's how far our country has fallen. That when somebody expresses their faith in Jesus, somebody can't even say, yeah, that's mine too. Or I'm happy with you that you put your trust in Jesus. And yet the trappings are everywhere, aren't they? The expense and the ridiculous greed and all of that, that spreads quite easily. But to say, Christ, he's right there in Christmas. This day is when we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, and we need those reminders. For some, it's hard for them to even set aside an hour or two for Jesus. Our lives just get so crowded. It happens on a weekly basis. I, I can't, you know, just time devoted straight to God. Ah, oh, Man, that's, that's just a lot of time. It really, it really isn't. We've just been duped by the waywardness of our society. Really, to give God glory, to stop, to take time, to worship him with our whole hearts, to sit under his word and to fellowship with him. Is that really our burden? You know, you've heard that saying where, where, you know, you you win more flies with honey, right? It's so true in in love and relationships. I don't want to be the person who reminds people like, well, you better make time for God. Because, you know, it's your duty, it's your obligation. But when God gets a hold of your heart and you read in his word what pleases him, he'll draw you and his kindness will lead you to repentance. not your sense of duty. Well, I better go do this, I better go do that. So to set aside some time to serve him or to pray or to fellowship with his people, it's more like the attitude of the shepherds now it's overflowing joy. Now it's glad tidings. Now it's good. I say this out of zero guilt on your part, but I spent the last two days getting ready for today. And this morning, instead of sitting with my kids, and I, w- I was working. But my question for you is, is that a joyful giving? Or is it like, oh man, it's Christmas and the rest of the world's goofing off and I should give myself the day off too. Instead of saying, Jesus, today is about you. You came for me, wrapped in human flesh. And now I cannot be silent about that. I should not be silent about it. Even though there are many that would desire us to do so. As we get the privilege, and it is a privilege, to gather today and to come under his peace and to be together in our worship and to return again to the reminder of the wonderful truth and the washing of the word of God. May we live out our our day, this day and every day, to our families, to our friends, with the gospel of Jesus Christ on our lips. You know it. It's not complicated. Give it away. It's the best news you and I have ever received. Jesus, I tell you thank you I rejoice with the heavens. Lord, let me rejoice like those shepherds rejoiced and made widely known. May we come and marvel like those who heard on that day. May we be like Mary was and ponder, not just glance over, but deeply consider what you're doing. May we be like those in your word that surrounded your birth that dis- that surrounded your coming lord thank you for the grace for the humility thank you for the love for the mercy that you've shown towards us in jesus' name we pray amen